and welcome back to the small introvert I am your podcaster Sally Yen, and welcome back to the season finale of the Jubilee season three. Now today I shall be giving you a little bit of a creepy note and a creepy ending. Now of course I'm not exactly gonna do something bad to myself, I'm just gonna be taking a break, so don't worry about that. Don't freak out. Yes. But in today's episode, I shall be talking about 10 Stone Cold Contract Killers Who Really Existed. Now, we might imagine that the idea of hired assassin who murders strangers in cold blood for cash simply comes from vivid imaginations of Hollywood scriptwriters or perhaps from my own nightmares. However, as disturbing as the thought might be, it seems such people really do exist. Now, of course, if you are someone who have been dwelling the deep web or dark web even, you might have seen those authors even pop up in the side of your screen. Now, for some, the job is an unfortunate byproduct of their life in crime rather than an active career choice. Others seem to be motivated by money. Some particularly disturbed individuals find the love of their job itself to be its own reward. No matter what are the reasons for joining such profession, few contract killers seem to have an qualm about their chosen career. In the end, many of them have faced a karmic assassin's bullet too. Let's start with fact number 10 with Chester Wheeler Campbell. Chester Wheeler Campbell is believed to have murdered more than 50 people, all as a result of contracts been taken out on them. He is unusual in that he worked freelance carrying out hits for the Mafia and anyone else who paid him. His clients were made up largely of drug gangs, those who could afford his fees. In 1968, he was charged at least $15,000, around $110,000 in 2019 for a hit. Oh wow, that's very, very pricey. Reportedly, Campbell was a genius-level IQ and spent his free time wandering around museums and libraries as well as studying foreign languages, so it is not as though he did not have options. For a time, Campbell became the enforcer for the murder royal gang and their drug businesses. In 1975, Campbell was stopped for a minor traffic violation. Instead of pulling over, he took off at high speed. When he was eventually stopped, the police found two pistols, a rifle, a soured-off shotgun, and heroin in his car. They also found a number of notebooks with the names and addresses of more than 300 police officers and government officials, some of whom had been victims of recent murders. The notebooks included the surveillance notes that detailed the subject's daily habits and a whole pile of classified police documents. 
At Campbell's trial, it was alleged that the 300 names compromised his to-do list of contract killings, which were only partially completed. After his release from prison in 1984, he went right back to making his living from contract killing. And once again, he was arrested after a car chase. He was convicted in 1987 and ordered to spend the rest of his life in jail. Now, I do not know if he is alive or not, but he's a sort of person that I would probably write a book on. Now, let's go with fact number nine, Boxy Siegel. Benjamin Boxy Siegel was one of the most notorious mobsters during the era of prohibition. I think it was the 40s and 30s was responsible of building the iconic Flamingo Casino in Las Vegas, but his fortune was built not just on bootlegging and gambling, but also proceeds of paid hits. Working for the Mafia bosses such as Lucky Luciano, Siegel carried out a number of Mafia hits, including one against the Sicilian mobster Joey the Boss, Messeria, in 1931. He formed the Mayor Siegel gang with fellow hitman Mayor Langsky, and together they had they had a new type of criminal organization, with entrenched so entrenched were they in the hitman persona, and they founded the business that was to become known as Murder Inc. The aim of Murder Inc. was to threaten mine and murder disinitiated victims for a price. Their services were available for any Mafia member anywhere in the country. The business appeared to be good, but by the time of the organization was exposed by a police informant, they were definitely implicated in 70 murders and suspected to be responsible for a hundred one more. Oh my, for hundreds. Siegel was killed in the traditional hail of bullets as it is all but certain that he was murdered by order of his partner. At the same moment he was dying in Beverly Hills, three associates of Mayor Lansky entered the Flamingo and declared a takeover. Oh, I think I have seen it. I've seen this such scene in Godfather 2, if I do still remember myself. Or maybe I have read it somewhere, but I know I have seen it. I know I've seen this scene made up as a movie. I don't really remember where. Anyway, let's go with fact number eight. Charles Harlison. <clears throat> Charles Harlison is famous for two things. He is the father of three-time Oscar-nominated Woody Harlison and, of course, he was a professional hit time of for the mob. Now... He was hired by Jimmy Chagra, a Texas drug lord, in the first murder of a sitting federal judge in the US. Chagra was on trial for drug smuggling and was due to be sentenced by Judge John H. Wood Jr. He was known to be give particularly harsh sentences to drug dealers. The judge was shot in his spine by a single bullet subsequently died. Harlison had used a high-powered rifle and a scope to murder the judge outside of his home. Harlison was convicted by the judge's murder in 1981 and given two life sentences. Chagra, however, was acquitted by the conspiracy. 
of conspiracy to murder the judge and entered witness protection after making a deal with the FBI about other drug cases. Halverson was known to have committed many more contract killings and he had been acquitted of the murder of Alan Berg but was convicted of the 1968 murder of Sam DeLigia, the Gillia Jr. It is even claimed that he may have been one of the mysterious three tramps photographed shortly after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Charles Harrison was once claimed to have been trigger man in Kennedy's assassination. However, it is unlikely that the claim had merit. After a failed attempt at prison escape in 1995, Harrison was transferred to a supermax prison in Colorado where he died of a heart attack in, in 2007. Sorry. Let's go with fact number seven. Christopher Dale Falnery. Christopher Dale Falnery is believed to have been Australia's most prolific Contract killer, nicknamed as Mr. Rant a Kill, Fannery was born and raised in Victoria. There, in his teens, he received his first convictions for housebreak, car theft, assault on police officer, carrying a firearm, and, and rape. <clears throat> After serving seven years in prison, Fannery got a job at a nightclub bouncer, where he found the work dull and quickly moved on to contract killing. He was charged with murder of a barrister in 1981. However, the lawyer's body was never found, and without it, Fannery was acquitted. As he left court, he was arrested on the suspicion of the murder of a brothel owner. Two years earlier, again, Fannery was charged and sent to trial. The first jury failed to reach a verdict, and the retrial was ordered. Avoid being tried by a particular judge, Fannery persuaded a doctor to write a sick note to postpone the trial in the hope that another judge would be assigned to him. However, the doctor was arrested for perverting the course of justice. Nevertheless, Fanry was acquitted in his retrial. In, by 1984, Fanry was involved in the Sydney gang wars. The police allegedly tried to negotiate an end to the gang wars, but Fanry refused to stop. He even went so far as to threaten the police by saying, you are, not you are not a protected species, you know. You are not a effing koala. Oh well. Most murderers followed. It is believed that these included Tony Spaghetti. What? Who would call someone Spaghetti? <laughs> what the heck? Anyway. <clears throat> Tony Spaghetti is ass who was found bleeding from six bullet wounds next to his gold Mercedes. As he was being rushed to the hospital, the detective tried to interview him, but in his true mob style, he didn't tell them to F off before promptly dying. It was believed that Flannery was behind at least a dozen contract killings. He disappeared forever after climbing into a taxi in May 85, and it is believed that Fenry was killed, but it is not clear by whom. Some rumors even allege that the police were responsible for the death. His body was never found. In 1997, a coroner declared Fenry legally dead and judged that he was probably murdered shortly after climbing into the taxi in May 85. 
now let's go with almost halfway of the podcast. Well, almost halfway of the list, at least. Alexander Solonik. Alexander Solonik is believed to have been a contract killer for the Russian mob. He was supposedly a former member of the Russian Special Forces, and it is rumored that he assassinated NATO officials during the Cold War for the Russian government and hoped to destabilize who hoped to destabilize NATO. He joined the police but was dismissed on the grounds of cruelty towards prisoners soon after Solonik was arrested for rape, but he escaped during his trial, jumping out of a second-story window in the courtroom heading for Siberia. Oh my. He was arrested again and once more escaped. Soon after, Solonik made his first hit, killing a rival boss on behalf of a Serbian crime lord. His prowess at escaping and his habit of shooting with a gun in each hand earned him the nickname Alexander the Great, among other things. Within six months, he managed to kill two high-ranking mob bosses despite one having the protection of bodyguards and an armoured vehicle. One of Solonik's employers refused to pay him the one million owed on his services. The employer and his staff were soon found dead. The police attempted to arrest Solonik and a companion in 1994 and managed to put them in handcuffs. However, Solonik and his friend killed the four police officers and escaped while still wearing the handcuffs. Oh my word. Although Solonik had been shot in the kidney, he ran for it and shot two security guards as he made his escape. The injury, however, slowed him down. Though his friend escaped, Solonik was caught and soon was sent to a maximum security prison under heavy guard and escaped again, climbing over the prison roof into a waiting car. Oh my word. Solonik had made 43 hits for the Russian mob and decided to retire. He fled one more, but his time to Greece in 1997. However, the retiring from the mob is not really an option. Another assassin was hired to strangle him beside the pool of his Greek villa. Even in that Solonik remained elusive, his body was not discovered for two months. Oh my. Now let's go with fact number five, because, oh dear lord, Giuseppe Greco. Now, Giuseppe Greco, aka Pino, was a notorious mafia hitman. After his death, he was posthumously convicted of 58 murders, but it is thought that the true number of victims may have been as high as 300. Most of his victims were mobsters and most were killed during the Second Mafia War in Sicily between 78 and 83. The war claimed over 1,000 lives, including criminals, police officers, politicians, and even judiciary. Oh boy. During the Maxi trial that followed the war, Pino was convicted of the murder of several police officers, magistrates, and even Italy's chief of Counterterrorism. Oh boy. <coughs> Who had been tasked 
with putting an end to the bloodshed, he had been shot in his car. Killer was killed by the mob in, in September 85 after he was thought to have become too powerful. His body was never found but his death was confirmed by 89 by an informant who had been present at the time of the shooting. And let's go with fact number four. Or should I say murder, murderer number four. Oh my, my eyes are so dark. Jesus. Sorry, I've been just glancing at the stone cold TV screen that I have in front of my laptop that is in front of me. Harry Mayone. Harry Happy Mayone was a hitman of Murder Inc., the murderer arm of Mafia that Boxy Siegel had set up with Maya Langsey, nicknamed Happy because his permanent scroll. Mayon was born in 1908, raised in Brooklyn during the 20s, and by 31, by 1931, he is said to have committed his first hit, killing the three Chapiro brothers who belonged to a rival gang. Reportedly, Mayon killed at least 12 men while working for Murder Inc., including prosecution witnesses and suspected informants. He went to great lengths to get his man. On one occasion, he was even said to have dressed as a woman, painted and powdered to kill two men. Under the guise of a blind date, he approached the hotel room of the two men who had reputation as playboys. Mayone hid his gun under his fur coat and the unfortunate victims realized their mistake seconds after the door would open, but it was too late. Mayone was through the door. Followed swiftly by an accomplice, the two playboys and their dog was shot dead. Members of the underworld were apparently ticked off uh, about the death of the dog. It is okay to kill a man, but it appears to be bad form to touch his dog. In May 1940, Mayon was convicted of murder, but the verdict was overturned on appeal. A second trial was ordered, and he was convicted a second time. In February 1942, Mayon was executed in the electrical chair at Sing Sing. Now with fact number three, James Baisley. James Baisley was nicknamed Machine Gun, not because of his profession, but apparently due to his rapid-fire speech patterns. Baisley, a hitman for the Australian Mafia, was believed to have murdered liberal politician and anti-drug campaigner Don McKay in 1977, supposedly a hit that had been ordered on the politician after he discovered and reported a large crop of marijuana. Despite a huge investigation, McKay's body was never found, Basley was convicted of conspiracy with regard to the death, but without the body, no murders, no murder charges could be brought. In 86, Baisley was finally convicted of double murder of a pair of drug couriers. He had also been ordered to kill their pet dog, but apparently refused. Although sentenced to life in prison, he was released in 2001. Despite the offered many inducements to reveal the whereabouts of Don McKay's body, Baisley steadfastly refused and took the secret with him to the grave. He died of natural causes in 2018. Come on, 
when a serial killer dies, it's never natural causes. Gee. But I guess it was reported like this. Anyway. <clears throat> now we are almost done with our podcast with fact number two. Jorge Alaya. Ayala. What the heck? Yeah, Jorge Alaya. Ayala. Pfft, Alaya, what the heck? Ah! Jorge Ayala was said to be a hitman working for the notorious Columbus, Colombian drug lord Grisdelia Blanco during the cocaine epidemic of the 80s in Miami. Blanco, also called the Godmother, is believed to have contracted with him to kill at least 35 people. In 1993, he was caught, pleaded guilty to three murders and was given a life sentence. Ayala was a key witness for the prosecution and after the arrest of Blanco, his evidence was tainted when he was caught engaging in the phone sex with three women. He claimed that they were procured by the state's attorney with the instruction to keep him happy. As a result, Ayala's evidence was unusable and Blanco received a much reduced sentence at the end which she was deported to Colombia. Shortly after arriving home, she was gunned down in the street. Oh, it's a she. Oh, whoops. Whoopsie. To date, Ayala's is still incarcerated, although he is eligible to apply for parole this year. If granted, he'll also be likely to deport it to Colombia. Oh my. Now, with the last one. Richard Cuckley Clancy. Oh my. Oh, I know him. Oh, I've seen him before. Oh, this is probably the m- much more contract killer that I see as an idol. I don't know why. I don't know why. Richard Kuklinski, aka the Iceman, had been called the most prolific hitman in mafia history. The number of his hits is estimated to be as high as 300 or even more. I think it's even more. I think it's about 600 people. Unlike some hitmen, Kalingsi enjoyed his line of work. He simply found a way to turn his hobby into a business. When asked if he would describe himself as an assassin, he supposedly replied, No, I'm just a murderer. If you don't include his childhood hobby of torturing cats, he appears to have claimed his fair victim at the age of 14. He beat a local bully to death. When Kuklinski was 18, he received his first contract from a New Jersey crime family and a career was born. Even when he wasn't working, he would seek out people to kill. He devised a number of creative ways to do it including cyanide decanated into a nasal spray. He worked largely for the Gambino crime family, where he was nicknamed the devil himself. He never socialized with his employers, thus escaped much of the surveillance to which he was lavished on people associated with the New Jersey mobsters. He was only caught after a mafia member snitched on him and agreed to wear wire while discussing a contract killing. Arrested in 86, Klonsky was found guilty of several murders and given a life sentence. After his conviction, Klonsky gave a number of interviews about his career. He 
has claimed he claimed to have killed Jimmy Hoffa for $50,000. He confessed to killing of over 100 people, including the 1980 slaying of a police officer. Kotlinski died in 2006 at the age of 70. Foul play suspected because Kotlinski was about to testify against a mafia member. However, his death was eventually recorded as being from natural causes. Now, with this, I thank you so, so much for being here with me for the last <sighs> for the last podcast of Did You Believe? I thank you so, so much and I will see you on the next time. Thank you.